if I was looking at how I coach, that's probably, th that nails it for me right now. I mean, my clients completely get that I'm, you know, I'm there for them, I support them, um, I love them. I don't take on anybody I don't love as a human being. If I'm going to spend six months with somebody, you know, I better, I better know who you are. Um, but I'll challenge the shit out of you. Uh, and I think that's what people want and that's what they pay for. Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the ball crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. The very first episode of this podcast went live on the 2nd of October 2016, over three and a half years ago. And uh, yeah, in many ways, that actually feels much longer than that. So much has changed for me, at least. And uh, whilst I cringed yesterday listening back to that original episode in preparation for this one, there's also a delight, really, in seeing and, and hearing so much progress. So maybe we'll touch on that later. And uh, I have today's guest to thank for helping me get this show on the road, since he was that very first guest. I've always enjoyed talking with this guy. I've been looking forward to having another straight-talking conversation with him, even though there is no football going on right now. But I guess we'll just have to talk about coaching or, or, or maybe something else. Who knows? Let's see what happens. A very warm welcome back to my friend, Kevin Waldron. Hello. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. And yeah, you know, really now here you are sitting in front of me, at least on, on video. So yeah, just thank you for being that first guest. And uh, I know there's a lot of people, I look at the listening figures and that, I guess any new listeners who come across the podcast are always going to go right back to the first episode and, and the listening figures for that first episode just continue to creep up. So uh, it's, it's going to be great really, I think to get an updated episode out there, even if you tell me that absolutely nothing has changed, but um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining me. So I'm wondering, let's kind of just dive in three and a half years, October, 2016, when you look back, uh, what was going on for you then just in summary what what do you see what do you see in terms of the difference between then and there, what was going on back well, then? whatever really whatever occurs to you like if you just i'm just i'm curious really just as a foundation here like what what does it look like was going on for you what do you see you know kevin is the coach then whether he's different now or not i, I guess that will come out in the yeah. in our conversation but yeah what do you what do you see when you look back at that yeah, it's it's interesting when you sent me the note saying, you know, would you like to come back on? First of all, I was like, hell yeah. I mean, that, that was just, I remember it being a ton of fun, like just having a conversation. Um, and I've obviously been on a ton of podcasts since then. Um, and it's always interesting to, like this one, I, no need to prepare whatsoever, which I love, right? Just show up and having a conversation, which, you know. I don't know, 80% of the time, I think that's what good coaching is to like, you know, mm. show up, see what happens when, you, when you're in the conversation. Um, but when you sent me the note, I, I just had this, when I, I sent you the note back and I said, you said, what's changed? And I said, honestly, not much. And, that, and, that, and that's a good thing. Because um, I just had this sense of, sense of warmness and a sense of gratitude for, not much has changed because it really was a good life back then. I mean, it was like things were going well. 
um, you know, just dealing with all the, the usual bullshit that you do in everyday life. Um, but on the whole, business was going well, my family was well, life was going well, sports were going well. And to think that, you know, three and a half years later, it, it, it's still going in the same direction, right? Like it's just, a, it's a deeper vein. Um, I'm probably more grateful now. Um, I'm more thankful. Um, I'll tell you one thing, I am more, and I didn't realize this, this is one big difference. I'm much more relaxed than I was back then. Oh, I yeah, thought I was relaxed I, yeah. back then, but I'm really relaxed now. Yeah, I really relate to that as well, both in my coach. I mean, that, that came out in me listening to the podcast yesterday. It was, it was like I said, although it's, it is kind of cringeworthy, it's, it's useful for any of us to go back, I think, and look at perhaps our old work from a few years ago. Because if you, as Steve Chandler used to tell us, right, when we were in his school, you just stay on the path, stay on the path. And it's, it's like you can't help but both improve get better you just keep doing something you can't help but get better that's just part of the path of mastery there is no final destination but also i think <laughs> doing something the what is this i think this is probably the 77th or 78th is it i've recorded a couple that haven't gone out for various reasons so this is like the 78th episode that i've actually recorded here so of course they've become much more relaxing just having a conversation. I do very little prep work. I generally know what my first question is. And, and I guess in coaching, uh, in a coaching conversation, I kind of know that I don't give it any thought, but it's like, okay, so how are you doing? Or, or what have you noticed since we last spoke? But other than that, yeah, I don't, I didn't, I didn't do much preparation here either. It's just, it, but it's great to, you can't help, but I guess feel more relaxed and, and, and in a way doing less preparation actually helps with that. Cause I think it, it keeps us out of our head, right? Yeah, completely. Um, yeah. There's a thing about, um, even back then, to think that you were, to think you were relaxing and to see the level of relaxation. Uh, and I think that's where it comes from, is if you would have asked me three and a half years ago, are you in your head much when you're having a conversation on a podcast and being with a client? And I'm going to be like, oh, no, no, no. You know, probably 99% I'm present, only 1% in my head. Um, well, no. <laughs> right. and, and like today, to just be, um, to not have to prove anything, right? Um, you know, to, to, back then I had a, I had a tremendous amount of, to have a tremendous amount of success. So to be relaxed now and to just show up and, and, and not be in my head and not have to prove anything. So I think what I was saying there was I had a lot of business success before I came into being a coach. And I don't think I realized how much when I first started coaching, I thought I had to prove something or I listened to a lot of different people because that was kind of how I was successful in business was, all right, go and find a bunch of people that have done what you've done. Um, take the best bits from what they've done, make them your own, and, you know, away you go. Um, and that worked, and it was very successful um, in terms of, for, for me, in terms of building a business. And I tried to do the same when I was coaching. Like, we did Chandler School, right? You know, you paid attention to all the big coaches and see how they did it and kind of, you know, does that bit work for me and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think now, and, and if any new coaches are listening, and this is so hard to get at the beginning, uh, you've got to learn to just be yourself. I mean, completely yourself. 
because there's only th- th- this sounds egotistical to say, and it's not. There's literally only one of me on the planet, yeah. right? And yeah. and I am I'm 56 now, um, so all the experiences that I've had all the way through business and coaching, they're uniquely mine. I mean, I've got a very unique point of view. Some people might not appreciate it. A lot of people don't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> like if you need the coochie coo coaching, uh, you, you're probably going to somebody else. Uh, yeah, looking I had, good for uh, 56, um, by the way. Looking good, looking good. Yeah, yeah, feeling good for 56. Let me tell you. Um, yeah. And I got to tell you that that too. That's done to being able to set your schedule up the way you want. I mean, I, I honestly still schedule my coaching sessions, run about my lunchtime soccer. Uh, (laughs) I work with clients in the morning and then at 11.40 I'm out the door and I'm down to the park and I play from 12 to 1.30 and then I'm back in my chair at uh, 2 o'clock Brilliant Brilliant And You touched on something there about being yourself but I also, I kind of wonder I'm just thinking out loud here that is what happens on this podcast maybe is that what perhaps some of the inner work is that we need to do uh, with ourselves as a coach, because I, I know there's a there's an argument. I don't want to get like caught up into like spiritual semantics and, and linguistics and what have you. Are we always being ourselves? I don't know, but I, maybe it's about just allowing ourselves to just just to be without trying to be someone. Like one of my my one of my favorite questions. I've mentioned it numerous times on this podcast. Robert Holden asks in his workshops and in his books is, "What's it like to be you?" when you're not trying to be anyone, including yourself. So like, it's even like give up that idea of trying to just be yourself, like give it all up. And uh, maybe that's where there's some, there's some work for us to do with ourselves to actually just see what that's like, not just in a coaching conversation, but just generally in life. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even that sounds like work, right? Like you have to, you know, (laughs) Work. The only work to do is like to, said, to give up doing any work. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Like just and then just be. And then I heard somebody say a few months ago, well, you don't even need to do that. And I thought, Christ, if you don't, if you don't just be, then then what are you? And that's what it is. That that lack of um when you're completely self-conscious, it wouldn't even occur to you to say that. Right? Like for some like I'm thinking about I had a client yesterday where um we work for two and a half hours. Um, and obviously we, we what's going on right now, it's an incredibly interesting time for business in terms of how you yeah. you know move the Legos around and, and whatnot. Um, but we spent two and a half hours and if I look back, um I encouraged her, I challenged her, um, I poked her, um, you know, she brought herself to tears. That wasn't me, just based on that what was going on in that. In the moment, but that was two and a half hours went by, and it felt like five minutes. And I don't think I had a self-conscious thought in two and a half hours. Um, and for me, that's just freaking delicious. I mean, that's just a hell of a way to spend, you know, to spend a spend a day or spend a life. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So I, I did wonder whether this conversation I'll just keep asking you. So so has this changed? Does this still look the same? And and you'll just sit there and just say, No, that's that's 
that's the same and that would make a very interesting interview an interesting conversation <laughs> right. hey kevin has this changed no that's the same what about this no, no that's the same yeah but i mean <laughs> Apart from being more relaxed, I mean, is the shape and size of your business the same? And even if it is, just um, just remind us what that what that does look like. Who do you work with, and where are clients coming from? And 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 yeah, indeed, if that has changed in any way. Yeah, there's a great. Um, I always get his name wrong. It's Heraclitus or Heraclitus. It says um, you never step in the straight, same stream twice. Mm-hmm. Right. So. When you look at the river, you go, well, the river's the same as it was four years ago. Well, of course it's not, right? Um, I think the, the comfort and the warmth and the gratitude comes from having the structure be the same. Like the basic framework of my business is the same. Um, so in terms of mechanics, um, right now I have 18 full-time clients. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure we touched on fees last time, right? Oh, yeah, Everybody always wants to know yeah, everybody wants to know fees. Um, my fees are the exact same as they were three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I charge um, uh, $48,000 to work with me for a year um, and $26,000 for six months. Um, and I, I obviously don't do anything in between. I don't do short-term assignments. Yeah. I don't do month to month. Um, so that stayed the same. Um, the quality of clients has probably gone up a little in terms of just who I want to be, who I want to be working with. Um, it's a very inelegant way of talking about it, but I said to somebody last week, they go, who do you work with? And I said, well, I got 18 clients and they're kind of all like, they're like thoroughbred racehorses, right? Like, like I got a stable of racehorses and they all fucking love to run. Um, and that's, that's the common thread. Um, which makes it incredibly fun for me to work with those people. Challenging at times, right? Um, I mean, I, I work with one guy that's literally the smartest person I have ever met in my entire life. Um, so for a, for a college dropout to be working with that, it can be incredibly intimidating, right? Until I remember he's not paying me for how much I know. Um, you know, and I, I coach people that do things that I could never do because I'm not always coaching them on, you know, their, their mechanics. So that, yeah, that hasn't changed. Just the sort of up-leveled uh, the, some of the people and what they're up to. Um, I've re- I was looking up this this morning because I probably told you that the last time. I think it, when we talked, my average length of client was 2.9 years um, that people had stayed. It's gone up now. It's probably like 3.4, somewhere in there, um, which if I think about it is incredibly gratifying because for those kind of fees, um, they wouldn't be coming back if they, if they weren't getting yeah. value. That has nothing yeah. to do with my ego, which kind of makes me feel good and grounds me in a way that I don't have to prove anything because obviously whatever the hell I'm doing, you know, it's, it's working for people. So I don't need to, in your words, try, right? Like yeah. every time I try and do something, it never, never comes off quite as well. I, I and I think you again. You're touching on something here, which I don't. I don't see. I'm not saying it's not there, but I don't see it talked about much. This, you know, if you and I, I don't want to ask you really about where are you as far as uh, staying in touch with the rest of the coaching profession. Maybe we'll come back to that. But um, you know, just seeing, just watching, even on Facebook, social media, and what have you, it's a uh, it's a wash with 
essentially client acquisition, but not with coaching oh, yeah. skills. And, yeah. you know, I know people I talk to, that there are people out there who, well, there are <laughs> various camps, but there are people out there who claim to be charging what I consider, you know, very, very high fees, the price of a small house, and only get people working with them on a one-off. Like they never get renewals. And I often wonder, well, why? So that this is where, you know, the work that you're doing is speaking for itself. To have clients work with you for for two years, three years, to continue to re- renew in their investment says something about the actual coaching itself. I, I just, I, I see very little about that. Like you're, clearly you are being of service and helping your clients that otherwise they simply wouldn't, they just would not renew. And yet, you know, hear stories, some horror stories of people who have worked and paid a lot of money. It's one of those things where if you look for it, you'll, you'll certainly find it. And I try not to look for it. I just stumbled across it occasionally because I just don't like the energy of it all. But there's an important piece here that, um, I started writing an article. Maybe I will have posted it by the time this goes out. And uh, it says, maybe I just crap at what you do. <laughs> you know, because I don't think people really consider that. And like, if you're open to that, like, okay, like, yeah, I've tried all my Facebook funnels or I've been having a hundred conversations a week. And yet, you know, I'm just not getting, cl- well, maybe I actually need to work on the actual coaching itself, the impact of your, of your coaching. Um, that, that's really just an observation and and, and just really want to acknowledge that in you that, that um, for sure, if new coaches who are listening to this and looking at client, client acquisition, I'm inspired talking to you to think, wow, that there's, there's clearly something in what you're delivering to have clients want to renew with you. And, and that's, a, I think that's a reminder. I really want to like, shine a light on that. That's a reminder for people to look at, like, What's the impact of your coaching? Just going to bring me to another question then. What for you do you think is makes what what do you think makes for an impactful coach? That's a great question. I, I've been trying to every now and again people ask me that. I never have a good answer for it. Um, and I go I go I found the answer through reading this finance guy in New York. So he was like big mucky muck for a I think a venture cap firm in New York, and he was responsible for kind of connecting high-level people with coaches or whatever. And he did a little, um, like, one-page rant on the coaching industry. And he said, basically, I see a ton of people out there that are really good at the support part, you know, like, like they're really good at, um, you know, you can do that, you know, the cheerleadery part, right? Or they, you know, they've read a couple of spiritual books and all of a sudden they think they're Eckhart Tolle teaching you how to, you know, <laughs> be in the moment. <laughs> so he said, I see really a ton of people that are really, really good at the cheerleading part. Very few that are good at the challenge part, like to really challenge people to, to be outside of their, their normal way of being. And he said, I found even less people that are good at both. Hmm. And I think that if I was looking at how, if I was looking at how I coach, that's probably, that nails it for me right now. I mean, my clients completely get that I'm, you know, I'm there for them, I support them, um, I love them. I don't take on anybody I don't love as a human being. I'm going to spend six months with somebody, you know, I better, I better know who you are. 
Um, but I'll challenge the shit out of you. Uh, and I think that's what people want and that's what they pay for. And I, I'm, I'm right with you. I think a lot of people, that client acquisition crap, it just shows you, and it's almost like, um, for me, it's stealing money. It's like putting things together that are kind of slick because you know psychologically you can push a few buttons and and somebody will, you know, because they think if they write a big check um, that you've got the answer somehow. And my thing is always like, I don't have the answers to shit, right? All I'm really going to do for for your 52,000 is hold up a giant mirror to you. And if you can show up cleanly and clearly, whatever you are is going to reflect back. My job is to just make sure you stay in the hot seat for that 12 months. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a blast when you see people figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm. So is there um, accountability in that? Because I'll, I'll say to coaches that I, I, I don't like any labels. So and there's this phrase banded around and people will say, oh, I'm not an accountability coach and whatever. And I just think that's kind of bullshit because accountability just seem to help. Like I know when I work with my coach, I have a coach at the moment and then there's things that she'll say, okay, so by the time next time we talk, what actions will you have taken then, given what we've been talking about? Oh, fuck, yeah, okay, I do need to commit to something here, don't I? And just the mere fact of having that, there's stuff on that that's like, I am going to do that stuff because I do not want to get on that call. So I'm, I'm interested where you are with that whole piece because I'll describe to my clients that I'm not really interested as such in whether you are doing what you say you're going to do. I just want to hold you accountable to what you say you want so if there's things you say you're going to do because that will get you towards what you want and then you're not doing them let's look at why that is what's going on there do you still want what you say you want so where are you with that whole accountability piece um for me it's foundational um and and that's where i take my job really seriously right if i was being paid 50 bucks an hour i'd be like yeah okay whatever you got it done you didn't get it done but when I see the gravity of the fees that I charge, mm-hmm. and if there was an accountability there, then we would just be having a nice chat for two hours, right? Um, that's not worth nearly the kind of money that I charge, right? So people are hiring us, whatever level of coaching you're at, they're hiring you because they want to have something be different, right? They either want to have a result be different, they want to experience something different, they want to be different, but they want something different than what they've got. Um, and I consider, and by the way, I got this from my coach. I had the same coach for 17 years in my business. Um, and it wasn't because I was slow. It was because like it worked, right? I mean, she would say to me, and I love this. She said that, um, we had a catalytic and combustible relationship. I never (laughs) forgot about that. Right? No, but it was great. It it wasn't like we we argued on the phone. It was like two bright people got together and between her poking and challenging and prodding and loving me, um, you know, it made me go and do shit I would never do by myself. Uh, so, yeah, accountability is huge for me. There's, there's never a call I have with a client that never ends with, all right, what, yeah, this was a great conversation, but what the fuck are you getting done between now and the next time we're on the phone? And sometimes it doesn't, there's like a whole bunch of doing actions, like I need to call that guy and I need to do this and I need to do that. Um, and sometimes it's very subjective too. It's like, uh, you know, this super hard charging guy last week, type A personality or whatever, um, his coaching for the next two weeks was, 
you're going to slow down on every single conversation you have. You know how like if you are doing nutrition coaching and sometimes they tell you to savor every bite or chew your food 50 times or whatever. Um, I essentially gave him that assignment for every conversation um, and it's killing him. <laughs> and I know that because he's texting me and telling me it's killing him. Yeah. Um, but that, that's what he wants and that's what he needs to actually get the result that he wants. So what for you, you know, in the past three and a half years, does anything come to mind that has for you been particularly challenging or indeed that you've had going on that might surprise people? This is all about, you know, peeling back the ball crap, brushing away the photoshopping. Is there anything at all? Um, and, and no is a perfectly acceptable answer to this question, by the way, Kevin, because I know you are, you know, <laughs> you get what you see kind of thing. But I'm just wondering, is there anything that's been particularly challenging for you that you'd like to share or stuff that might even surprise people about you i'm going to be candid um no Mm. so the last three and a half years um in terms of the coaching business um and and clients coming and going and and, and what's been happening um it's been a dream for the last three and a half years Mm. and i knew you know if i knew anything or if i guessed anything i was like all right I wonder what he'll ask me today. And I thought, shit, I bet he'll ask me about that. And, you know, there's that human part of you that goes, well, I better invent my sad story. <laughs> so oh, that you haven't got one. Yeah. Everybody knows I'm human. I don't have one. You know, and, and if we had another three hours, I could give you a ton of like, uh, you know, f- almost falling off the cliff stories from before then in my business career. Yeah. So it's not that I haven't gone through shit. No. But the last three and a half years has just been a really steady rhythm. And it's that, that thing about, you know, when you give up trying um, and you just do the deal and you really be of service to people, it's kind of, I don't know, it's easy. And by the way, if I was a new coach, I'd probably fucking hate hearing that. Right? Well, I was thinking, like, well I, I, I still find that inspiring, but maybe that's just like my positive, my, my bias towards seeing seeing the positive perhaps in, in, in most things. Because I think, yeah, staying on the path, like investing, becoming a really masterful coach, straight talking. Um, I loved, um, so I spoke to John. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to release these in the chronological order that I record them. So um, in in preparation for my uh, conversation with John Patrick Morgan, I listened to the first episode with him and he, he reminded me, it's like, coaches are so often looking for that one breakthrough. And I asked him, what's what's that one breakthrough? And he said, the breakthrough comes when you stop trying to search for the breakthrough like that, that kind of, you know, and I really loved that. That was right, right back at episode 10. He said that. And it's in summary, that's kind of it. Like when you stop searching for that golden nugget, stop searching for that breakthrough. I think there is an ease that does unravel actually. Not, not that there aren't challenging times. I certainly have challenging times, but I, I take full responsibility for those. I can see the role that I'm playing in that. So listening to you, yeah, sure. If 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 you're, if you're a coach listening to this and you think, oh, fucker, you know, this is the last thing I wanted to hear. Here's this guy who do, doesn't have to do much as far as client acquisition goes. He's, they're just coming to him on a plate and it's all referral work and charging massive fees and everything's being easy. Well, this 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 guy has mastered his craft and he's done his work and he's invested his time. So, so for me, this is inspirational in that it's demonstrating look, what's possible because um, 
you know, I'm sure you would say this. There isn't anything particularly special about you, Kevin, right? Other than that you, you know, you've been on this path and you've you've been on this path of mastery and maintained your commitment to that, right? Yeah, there's nothing special to me, not a thing. Um, and I was just going to say, I mean, I'm not coaching your listeners, but um, if any of you listening that want coaching, get to work, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's it. Get yeah. to work. I mean, nothing yeah. you say clients get handed it to you on a plate. I, I like bristled when you said that. I'm like, hand it to me on a plate. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> they were handed to me on a plate. <laughs> and you said something like, you know, in I a message, go, yeah, yeah. You said in a message that you know you're still putting in what Steve Chandler describes as the blue collar work. You're still putting Absolutely. in the blue collar work. Absolutely. Like, and, and my coach yeah. called me out on this recently. Like, you know, oh, I don't, I don't really feel up to it today. I feel a bit blah, and so I'll I'll, I'll find excuses and do something else. And you can't run a sustainable business like that. Yeah, keyword being sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can come and go and you can have some success, but, it, but it'll go away. You have to settle into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for me, it's like, you know, I think about like I'm talking to you at five o'clock California time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if Phil doesn't tell you this, he's, he's recording this in Bali right now. I mean, come on. <laughs> he's in Bali. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bali, it's been, it's been raining, it's very humid, um, everywhere's right. closed. I mean, here's the thing, we can tell a sad story about anything, right? And, and I've realized from my time here that what we think matters, like just chasing all that stuff on the outside, it really, it kind of doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, Bali's a nice place, but there's loads of shit things about Bali, not least shit on the exactly. pavements from stray dogs and stuff. I mean, you know, it's like... Yeah. All that stuff. It's all story. It's all story. So I love that you're just calling that out. Just get on with the fucking work. Do the work. Just get on with it. Oh, you know what? I actually just saw something that is different. Hmm. Um, one of the ways that I built my original business was by having targets, right? Like you take some ground and then you would be at X level of dollars and then you go, okay, where's, where's the next hill we're going to climb? That worked incredibly well for me. Um, that did not work for me when I was building my coaching business. I put way too much pressure on myself. You know, I had that immediately was like, all right, well, I was successful over here. So um, I'd look at who's the biggest kid on the playground. All right, million dollars a year as a coach. That seems to be the target. Let's, let's get after it. Uh, and I put way too much pressure on myself to, to do that. And it was a totally arbitrary number. Um, and now, you know, if you can do the math, um, I'm probably just under that right now, and I don't give a shit about going over that magic million dollar number. I don't mm. care. Because um, yeah. I tell you what, my wife, we, we we got a new puppy in January. My wife adopted this three-legged Yorkie. Um, she lost a leg when she was a pup. She's brilliant. Her name's Bella. Um, I set my life up. You know, I do the blue collar thing. Like I start in the morning, California time, I start at like 6 or 6.30 in the morning. Mm. And that's when I do my East Coast clients or my UK clients. Um, then I cycle through, you know, Midwest and then West Coast. And most days I'm done by about 3 o'clock. Um, and then when I do between 3 and 5, that's usually left for that blue collar activity that you were talking about where I'm having conversations with new people. Um, and right now, the bar's incredible because my practice is full right now. The bar's incredibly high for me to want to be able to work with somebody now, but I can always help people, right? So it's like I think Hardison said this about 10 years ago 
Um, he said the dirty little secret is I help everybody. Like you don't turn anybody away when they when they reach out for help. It doesn't always mean you work with them, but you'll you'll do something to help them along in their path. Um, so I'll do that most days from like three to five, um, and then five o'clock, I'm home playing with my dogs, going for a run, you know, hanging out with my wife. Um, you know, I want the the true lifestyle that comes with coaching, not just the, the bragging rights of being a second seven figure coach. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I got nobody to impress anymore. So I, I kind of wonder: Is following Liverpool Football Club like to counterbalance the uh, stability and the ease of, of this coaching life? <laughs> <laughs> I got to. It's been tremendous watching them in the last few years. Um, I just, it, it, my heart, in my heart of hearts, I've just always been a team sports guy, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I like playing golf, but uh, the camaraderie that comes from from watching a team or being part of a team is what well, you just can't beat it. Yeah, can be. Yeah, and 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 again. So I was talking to you before we started um, recording, or were we recording? Anyway, doesn't matter. But um, there's we can learn a lot. I think even as a coach, by by looking at, I mean, sports coaching. I I kind of wonder how many yeah. people out there who, yeah, they've they've. Uh, <laughs> I wrote a post, I don't know, a year or two ago about how um, I I went and saw somebody, and yeah, I sat in their chair. And gosh, I went in there with a lot of pain. He did his thing, like messed about with my head. And I came out and I was free of pain and relief. But I didn't come out of there thinking, oh, great. I need to go and do what he's doing because he's a dentist, right? But there there are people who who go through like an experience and think, oh, yeah, that was amazing. Therefore, I want to be a coach, read a few books. I've just seen, I took a screenshot of this. But I'm trying to resist having these rants about the unsavory aspects of the business. But I, but I am passionate about this. So I, 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 like I noticed it. I took this screenshot. There's a Facebook ad offering a coaching certification for $25. And I think, oh, wow. What the hell? Okay, yeah, I'll have I'll have some of that. Maybe maybe I'll start my own for nineteen dollars. It just it just seems ridiculous because I think that kind of stuff does undervalue, undermine indeed the potential impact and value that this profession can have on people. So I can I can get I can get quite passionate and ranty about this in that you know our, our one of our. Um, previous mentors would say that this this profession has a very low bar for entry like there is kind of no bar anybody literally can put a plaque on the wall or whatever and say yeah I, I, I'm a coach as I've touched on previously but not really have any impact and I see it in some of the communities that I do remain in about people who said oh yeah I've hired so many coaches none of them have had any particular impact none of them are very good so I kind of wonder just what what showed up in this conversation is yeah are you are you only looking at that whole client acquisition piece or are you looking at like what it's like to be a masterful coach? Um, Pep, God, what's the, what's the uh, football coach? Pep Guardiola, yeah, Man- Man- like yeah. A magnificent book about him. And, you know, look, are you, are you looking at what masterful coaches are actually up to, not just around client acquisition, but around the impact that they have on their clients? So, yeah. It- yeah, that's that's a great question. I think that I think, and I'm I'm just um, I'm speculating here because I don't know your intent, but just knowing what I know of you, I just think it pisses you off that there's so much rubbish out there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and I think it pisses you off because one, you're a really good coach. Two, you care and, and you care about the profession. You wouldn't have done, you know, almost 80 episodes of this stuff if you didn't care. So you want to you want to elevate it, right? Um, you want to elevate the profession. You want to be part of the solution. But the reality is there's always going to be charlatans out there, right? Um, you know, the internet just floods it. And like we said, it is a very low bar to entry. There are a lot of dumb people out there professing stupid shit that just doesn't work and doesn't serve people. So what? Yeah. Right? Um, as long as you just keep doing what you're doing and you can't help, you can't help everybody. There's 7 billion people on the planet. Um, so you just, you, you know, you help the ones that you can and yeah, I, I don't know. I get, I get the ranty stuff, but yeah, like, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Thank you for the reminder. And, and, um, yeah, this is why I do notice I, occasionally I fall into the hole and I might write something about it. And then a friend of mine says like, is this really where, where you want to be putting your, your energy? I'm like, no, no, fell for it again. Shit. So where are you, where, uh-huh. where are you with that? How do you, how do you avoid it? Like, are you really just blinkered, just getting on with your stuff? Yeah, that, that, that's, that I, I've had to do that, like to get really blink up and just get on with that. And it's funny, I get sucked back in. Like, I love Twitter. Twitter's my thing. Um, <laughs> and I, I got to tell you what, here's what I love. I mean, I love the, I love the profession and I love the impact I make. Because you know what it does? Um, it feeds one core key, one core value that I have. Like, I love to learn. I've always loved to learn, right? Um, I've always been, like, curious and fascinated. Like, well, how do you do that? And, you know, amazed at how many people will tell you how they do shit if you actually just ask them, right, if you're genuinely curious. So I, mean, I built a, a business career out doing that. And since I became a coach, my level of curiosity is, is only going up, right? So we just said, I'm, I'm 56, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to be learning until they kick me off the planet. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, I love it. I just, I love learning new things and new ways of seeing things and new ways of doing things. Um, so being paid to be a coach helps fuels that and it goes kind of hand in hand with that's me getting better at my craft too. Like I don't need to read a book on client acquisition or, you know, do the Facebook, like you said, you know, for a thousand dollars, I'll show you how to acquire clients. Well, I've already fucking got them. What are you going to do with them when you've got them? Coach, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Um, now if you can show me how to be a better coach, that I'm up for, that I am, that I'm reading about, that I'm following about. Um, so on Twitter, um, I'm a human being, and I've got to tell you, I love this the other day there. Somebody said this. So if you're a new coach, they said, um, I promise I'll come back to the Twitter, but they said if you're a new coach, they said there's this weird thing in the coaching profession that says, that puts out the theory that to coach human be- to coach other people, you, you have to appear that you're better than them. Which and I, I I just cracked up when I saw that. It's like, yeah, you need to remember you're a human being. So when I'm coaching, if I did something or said something stupid or, or whatever, or even thought something stupid, it makes it into my coaching conversations. None of it's on a pedestal, right? So why that comes up with the Twitter conversation is I try and curate my Twitter feed really good. Like I try and keep all the politics out of it. Every now and again, I'll get irritated about what's going on in the world, and I'll, I'll add somebody in there 
And then I get the rant, right? Like we start to see everybody rant. And after a while, I got to go, no, I got to clean that up. I just don't want that information coming into my, my ears or my eyeballs. Um, and especially, again, if you're new, I want to make sure this is useful. Um, in Scotland, growing up, we always had that phrase. It was just keep your eyes on your own paper, right? You don't need to be looking around at what everybody else is doing because, one, most of it doesn't work nearly as well as you think it does. Um, and you, you do you. Like, whatever it is that you're spectacular or whatever it is your journey is, that's enough. You don't need any more. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most valuable feedback we get, or certainly the most useful feedback we get, is going to be, like, from our own from our own lives. What's, what's working, what's not working, not what Joe Bloggs is doing or – because what Joe Blog says he's doing is not always what he is actually doing. Let's face it, right? <laughs> so that's how this podcast came about because of the so much bullshit and embellishment that was out there. Um, so yeah, I just think, of course, I- I'm interested. Of course, I am. That that is how this po- podcast came around. But I just think what I'm getting from this conversation with you is that wonderful reminder of just the mastering the art of of coaching in and of itself. So. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel I'm hopefully done yet. You have an ed- hopefully, you have an edit button for the swear words. I, I do. There was something next, but it's kind of gone. But I will edit this. Nobody wants to listen to me dribbling. So, um, what was it? That's strange. I don't know. That's a real cliche question there. Good grief. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> In a coaching conversation, by the way, <clears throat> what I was saying, like, hmm, I will admit, like, wow, I'm blank right now. Anything going on for you? Like, you know? So do, you, do you ever get that? Do you ever... Or is it is it is it two hours of absolute intensity and exploration? I mean, curious what that's. Like. It's it's usually pretty free form, but I mean, yeah, every now and again, I mean, I'll look at them and I'll go, I've got to be honest with you, um, I'm searching for something to say right now because mm. I have no idea what to say, and I'm not going to do that. So let's just sit for a minute and yeah. see what shows up. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I think I it's incredibly, it, yeah, it's incredibly freeing for clients when they can see that you don't either act like you have all the answers or you even need to show up like you've got all the answers. Yeah. I don't even think anyone has the answers. I think they, they kind of just show up wherever they come from. Maybe there's an answer factory in Scunthorpe or something that they just come through. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be in Scunthorpe if it was anywhere, right? <laughs> So um, just just finishing off, like how is um, both business, but also personally, this whole lockdown business. When we re- whilst we're recording this, um, how has that has that changed anything for you and your business in a in a good way, not so good way, whatever? How, how yeah, what's the impact of that? Yeah, man, probably not much. Um, so we we're obviously Northern California. Um, my office, we just moved to a town about 15 minutes north of where we were. Um, so I keep a little office. I, I, and that's the other thing I love about coaching is like zero overhead, right? 
Um, so I keep an, a single office in, in my town in Novato. And, and I probably saw in the Bay Area, maybe 25% of my clients are local to the Bay Area. So they would come up to my office, which is always fun to see people you know, face to face. But I'd already moved most of my stuff to Zoom before COVID. Uh, but obviously in the last two months, it's been 100% Zoom and 100% telephone. Um, and I don't know, the local ones are probably still keeping, they'll, they'll still come back to the office. But yeah, no, no, nothing really that much has changed. What a wonderful mix as well, because I, I do miss seeing people, you know, face to face. I've done, what, seven coaching immersions on Zakynthos where we spend two days, you know, walking along the beach and stuff just uh, in conversation. But um, yeah, pretty much everything is over, is over zoom and whatever. And uh, any particular preference there or do you notice any difference? Are there things that, you know, seem to happen more naturally in person or on video? Does it make any difference? I think, yeah. For me, I think every client's different. Um, some people, like I work with a guy in San Diego that hates Zoom. Um, so we're always on just on the telephone. It's just cell phone to cell phone. And there's something about, um, you would think you would lose translation, but we have the connections like, it's like 120% through the phone lines, doesn't it? It, was, it would be like if he was sitting right in front of me. It's incredible. Um, and then I have one client that, I don't know if it's his facial expressions, but when we talk on Zoom, Sometimes you look, it's like a hostage video. There's just that weirdness of, I don't know how it works, but it's never comfortable. Um, so yeah, every, everybody's different. And I never, I don't visit clients, which is kind of good because that way it keeps, uh, keeps my, my routine the same, which I like. But one thing I did right before the lockdown happened was I took on a new client in November and his, he, he said, I want to work with you, but one, one stipulation I have is that you come out to New York and you see my operation. And I, and I thought, I said, oh, yeah, I don't do that. Right? And there was a little bit of ego involved there for me. Like, no, I don't do that. You come, you come see me. That's how it works. Um, and then I thought about it. It was like, I actually really want to work with this guy. Like, he's really interested in what he's up to and who he is. And then I thought, what the hell do I care? I haven't been in New York in five years anyway, right? So... I flew there right as the lockdown was happening. So I, I, I was spending Thursday, Thursday and Friday at his offices meeting the staff. Um, and then Saturday I was supposed to go sightseeing and then go home. And that's just when they started locking everything down. So I got like the last plane out of New York on, on the Sunday before the lockdown happened. And that was incredibly valuable. That That's really, that's deepened our connection in a massive way, just being face to face and, and me actually seeing this team. That's so fascinating to hear that because I'll often suggest to clients about how curiosity will get you all the clients you want. You've mentioned about that, just really how allowing your curiosity out to develop. And I also think that when we're curious, most of the time that curiosity is around what's going on with the client, which leads on to like the next point that you've highlighted here about getting in the client world, getting out of your own world, making mm -hmm. it about you, and indeed getting out of the world of coaching and all of that noise and get in the client's world because that's where you're going to help them yeah completely and even that like that weekend um i was scheduled to go sightseeing all day on the saturday and they literally started locking down all the you know the 9-11 memorial broadway everything started closing 
And he said, what are you going to do? And I'd already spent two intense days with his team, right? And I went, well, I'll meet you back at your office. Let's get back to work. Um, so we spent like another five or six hours at his office in the back warehouse that day, just sitting down going through stuff. Um, and I could tell he was incredibly appreciative of the extra time that I extended. But for me, it was just pure play. I mean, I loved his business. I loved him. I loved what he was up to. Um, it's just like, yeah, that's, that's how I want to go through the world. Yeah. Love that. What a, what a wonderful point to end on. Just simply loving, loving it, loving your clients, loving what you do. So thank you for coming back, Kevin. I, you know, if and when, I, I think they will, when they, if, if and when Liverpool eventually lift that trophy, I will, uh, I'll raise a glass and think of you. If I'm still in Bali, which I probably will be, I, it will probably be a glass of spinach and dragon fruit juice or something. But um, yeah, um, I'll, I'll certainly think of you and uh, celebrate that and uh, look forward to us hanging out at some point, who knows, and uh, chewing the fat a bit more about, about football instead of this all of that ranting about the coaching profession. Yeah, there you go. I, I appreciate it. And I just want to say, it's like you go through life and with all the experiences you have and the people you meet, you're not going to stay friends with everybody and you're, you're going to connect with people and they're going to go in and out of your life. But when I think back to that, you know, ACS, whatever it was, 2014, 15, um, you know, you, John Wittry, Jason, to, to still be connected to you guys, um, even though we don't talk that much, uh, it means it means the world to me. Yeah, me too. So thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you. How about that? I love talking with Kevin. So straight to the point. No waffle, telling it like it is. And perhaps my favourite thing he said um, is just do the work. It's so easy and tempting for us to get so caught up in our own stories and explorations that we get distracted from doing the work, doing the blue collar work that's necessary to build and maintain a prosperous coaching life. So what are you going to take away from this conversation? How will you use that? I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to explore having someone with 15 years professional coaching experience in your corner, get in touch. Helping other coaches is not a core aspect of my business. That is very much around helping successful executives and business owners love their relationships as much as they love their work. I'm, I'm out there, I'm coaching, <laughs> coaching in the real world, but I am passionate about this profession and love to bring my expertise, my mentorship and my extensive coaching experience to help coaches who are willing to do the work, who are willing to be dedicated to being of service, to help them build their prosperous coaching life. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kevin Waldron. There's much more to come. Thank you for listening. I wish you much love and joy. Mm-hmm.